I've listened to English Rain by Gabrielle Applin since December 2021. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is Connor. It is me. I am with you. You are from a distance. With me from a distance. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about English Rain by Gabrielle Applin. Yeah, this will be a fun one to talk about. Yeah, I'm stoked. This is an album that was recommended to me by someone, and I listened to it. And I, I pretty quickly took a liking to it. It's uh, It's got a lot going on. It's it's a, a new kind of vibe we're bringing to the podcast with this one, I think. A little bit of a different niche than some of our other records. Hmm. Maybe. Hmm, your hmm sounded like you didn't agree. Uh, no, I, I think I agree with it. Okay, good. You better? <laughs> yeah, I just never stopped and thought about it. Fair. Well, for those of you who are unfamiliar, let me give you a little bit of the story behind Gabrielle Applin as an artist, who she is. She's an English songwriter from Wiltshire, England, born in 1992. Her parents bought her her first guitar when she was 11 years old, and from there the rest is history. She studied music at Bath College and drew a lot of musical inspiration from artists like Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, and The National. Do you know any of those artists? Ah, no. No. (laughs) So that means nothing to you then. Eh, Well, what are you going to do? JK, JK. Oh, oh fine all right lie to me sorry uh, the mixtape is rubbing off on me no surprises there well after college she put out her first acoustic ep on her own label she took the chance to wrap a route and is self-releasing things at this point the label was called never fade records and her first ep came out in 2010 she put out two more eps on that label in the coming years called never fade and home and in april of 2011 she was featured in the bbc's introducing series where she performed four songs Her cover of Coldplay's Fix You became the most viewed YouTube video from the entire BBC Introducing series. And that's by a lot. It currently is sitting at over 1.2 million views. And I did a little poking around the page and the series and stuff. Most of the recent videos on the page, I mean, granted this is a decade later, but most of the recent videos are somewhere between 2,000 and 15,000 views for perspective. And few have even cracked the 100,000 mark. So uh, to pick up 1.2 million for your cover of a Coldplay song is astounding. So she's moving on up in the world, and this massive burst of notoriety got her signed with the industry giant Parlophone Records, once home to artists like The Beatles, Duran Duran, Iron Maiden, Tina Turner, Queen, Radiohead, and fittingly, Coldplay in 2012. And on Parlophone, that's where she released her first major label singles, Please Don't Say You Love Me and a cover of The Power of Love, both of which are songs that made it to this record. English Rain, her debut album, this one that we're talking about today, it came out a year later in May of 2013. And then since English Rain, she released her second album, Light Up the Dark, in 2015, another EP called Miss You, and then she departed from Parlophone Records in 2017 because she, quote-unquote, really enjoyed getting involved with everything from her image to her artwork. So she wanted to kind of just take control of her brand again. Much easier to do that when you're on your own record label. So her sixth EP, Avalon, and then her third full-length record, Dear Happy, that came out in 2020, 
were both released under her own label. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Never Fade Records, still around. And they've actually signed a couple of other artists in the intermittent period between Applin releases. I call that a success. Other trivia tidbits that you might not know, Gabrielle Applin is a vegan. Oh. And she's in a relationship with Alfie Hudson Taylor, who's one brother in the Irish folk duo aptly named Hudson Taylor. Who knew? Who knew indeed? I knew. That's why I said it. And now you all knew too. So you can never answer, not me, to the question who knew again. I've, I've taken that away from you. And I'm sorry. Man, I'm sorry, audience. I, I, I don't think you expected to have something like that taken away from you when you li- listen to this episode. Uh, we should have put a disclaimer at the beginning. I know. All your plausible deniability is just gone. But that aside... We're talking about English rain this week. You know, everything else that I just said doesn't matter. English rain is what we want to focus on. And again, came out in May 2013, so it's coming up on its decade anniversary. It's a, it's a very folk pop, like singer-songwriter type vibe to it, right? English rain charted at number two on the UK and Scottish charts, and it cracked the top ten in Australia. It peaked at number 11 in Ireland and 39 in New Zealand as well. Hmm. I know, it's international. The album sold more than 35,000 copies really, really quickly, which I think is pretty remarkable for a debut album, you know, to pick up that kind of speed that quickly. Since then, it's been certified gold in the UK and Australia for surpassing 100,000 copies. As far as critical reception goes, a lot of critics liked the album, but a lot of them deemed it very safe and not quote-unquote adventurous enough for her talent. People drew a lot of comparisons to bands like Mumford & Sons for her sound. Mm. And that's a statement that I simultaneously agree and disagree with. (laughs) I'm I'm really, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But also, I I don't get it fully. I don't know. It's a very interesting comparison, nevertheless. And worth noting is that English Rain has a deluxe edition that I personally, that's the one I listened to and actually it's the one I've scored. So I highly recommend it. But the deluxe edition was released at the same time as the standard edition, and it features three extra songs as well as three live performances of other tracks from the record. So go check that out. If you like the normal version of this album, you might find something you like on the deluxe version too. Or maybe you won't. Or maybe you won't, you know? Maybe you won't, but why not? You won't, you'll never know if you never try, right? Anyway, I think that puts us in prime position to play another week of Factor Spin. How's the mixtaper doing? I know he was working real hard on the facts and spins this week after how last week went. Yeah, a perfect week for the hosts last week. Yeah. Well, I'm curious to see how he bounces back, but I'm hoping he does not bounce back far. (laughs) But I'm biased. Fair. (laughs) Well, let's get him on out here. Come on out, mixtaper. Hey, it's me, the mixtaper. Welcome back. I gotta warn you, if you start doing too well on this round, I'm gonna pull the panic cord. I'm gonna ditch. You're You're gonna ditch? Yeah, I'll pull the panic cord. If you if you start doing too well, I think that's a reference to one of the songs, but I'm not the one that listens to them, so I don't know. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Yeah, I guess the mixtaper never listens to the music we talk about. Well, sometimes you know, if it's a good one like Plastic Hearts. Okay, all right. <laughs> you didn't seem too fond of Plastic Hearts when you were doing Factor Spin about it. You've had a change of heart. Uh, listen, I just because I'm not proud of my performance on that episode doesn't mean I didn't like the album ahead of time. I thought that was one of your better performances, but okay. Uh, well, the score doesn't say so, but... <laughs> All right, well, what do you have for us this week? What can you tell us, true or not, about Gabrielle Applin? 
true or not. Or as some might say, fact or spin. Yes, true or not is like the slogan (laughs) for fact or spin. (laughs) They own ghost detecting machines. Ghost, why are we back on the ghost thing? Oh, we had the McBarge, (laughs) the dang McBarge. Okay, what kind of machine detects a ghost? Things like electromagnetic field meters. Mm, yeah, the EMF. Well, that was EFM, but... No, it's... They're EMF readers. I understand. But... I, no, I... Yes, I I understand. Okay. Am I missing something? Did I miss the joke? Because uh, typically they break electromagnetic field in the three words, right? For EMF. But because I said electromagnetic field meter, that could also be <laughs> EFM. Uh, oh. And so I was... That. I... It didn't land. It cut didn't, it. Move cut on. It. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, we're off to a start of some kind. So, is she a ghost enthusiast then? Uh no. She just thinks she's being haunted by a ghost. Oh, she's not. She's not enthusiastic about it. <laughs> no, it's there. She's just not happy. I don't think. I don't think she wants Ryan to be haunting her. Ryan, you say? You you know this ghost? Yes, the ghost's name is Ryan. How does she know? Supposedly, I don't know. <laughs> Oh. Well, yeah, she's specifically afraid of a ghost named Ryan that she's pretty sure is haunting her. What is... What does Ryan do to prove his existence or show himself? Is he knocking stuff over like Machine Gun Kelly's ghosts? Is he eating McNuggets like James Mercer's fake ghost? Yeah, you know, make, making her hair stand up on in weird no- unexplained noises, things like that. You know, classic ghost behavior. Sure. But somehow its name is Ryan and she's figured that out. I don't know if she named it Ryan. That's kind of insulting to a ghost to give it a, a pet name like that. Maybe that's why he doesn't like her. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's just following her around until until she gets his name right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna play make you play my second favorite game show game. Guess that dollar amount this week. No, but it is it, they have spent a whopping fifty thousand dollars on ghost detecting equipment. No way. Yeah. Why? Afraid of ghosts. Has the equipment detected Ryan? I would uh, hope so for fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, you got a point. I would hope that for $50,000, it was the, the equipment's how you found out the name was Ryan. Wow, that's a good point. How much does your typical EMF reader cost? Well, for that answer, I'm going to have to make you play the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I would have bombed at the $50,000 one. <laughs> I would guess... I would guess if you want a good one, and it sounds like she does, maybe you'd spend $400. $400. That's what you're going with? Sure. Well, you can go pick one up on Amazon right now for the low, low price of twenty nine ninety nine. <laughs> okay. But that's not a good one. No, no. I don't want one for a low, low price. I want one for a high, high quality. Well, yeah, if you want a high, high quality industrial one, I see one on here. Industrial. For $645. See? Okay, so I've, I'm not that far out of the ballpark i would assume they probably have other equipment other than emfs as well it's just that's the only one that they talked about in the interview sure are any of the songs on this album maybe about ryan uh yeah panic chord you know they're ripping <laughs> just panic pulling the panic chord <laughs> ghosts uh, <laughs> no i don't know alive perhaps alive yeah <laughs> Uh, really, any of these songs, How Do You Feel Today, could be talking to Ryan. Um, Please Don't Say You Love Me. That, that could <laughs> All of these could be about a ghost if you try hard enough. Yeah, well, let's not do that. I think this is ridiculous. I, I can't decide whether this is true or not. I'm going to say that this is... I can't decide whether the ghost being named Ryan 
gives credence to this being true or this makes it totally ridiculously false and you just wanted to see if i would believe that there's some ghost out there named ryan haunting gabrielle applin either way you lose i lose either way i'm gonna say this is probably a spin a spin We've had a suspiciously high number of artists that are ghost hunters, so Mm. they can't all be ghost hunters, can they? Coming down on the side of spin. Yes. This is a spin. Suck it, Ryan. Heck yeah. (laughs) What's the deal? What's the inspiration for this? Are you being haunted by a ghost named Ryan? (laughs) No. um, I'll give you a little peek into the future. Ryan the Ghost will be coming back. This fact is true about an artist I hope we do someday. Oh, no. And so Ryan the Ghost will be making an appearance in a future episode or maybe episodes. Who's to say? Who's to say? Well, that's a tease. Okay. (laughs) But not Gabrielle Applin. All right. (sighs) So you're not allowed to look up anything about Ryan the Ghost? No, that'll be off limits. Sure. But my next one for you that is... I guess technically still off limits for you to look up, but oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say it wasn't off limits, but it technically is. Uh, <laughs> uh, she once was offered a job to remove the cardboard sleeves from coffee cups. I'm sorry, this has the same energy <laughs> as Miley Cyrus's first job being picking up bras. Because, like, what kind of a job is this? <laughs> it's a weird job. Okay, so she's removing the sleeves from coffee cups. Um, is this like a recycling thing? Because usually if I put a sleeve of cardboard onto my disposable coffee cup, it's going into the trash with the coffee cup. It's not a reusable thing Mm -hmm. without a proper recycling process. Yeah, well, it's recycling, I guess, in a way. Do tell, what does (laughs) she recycle them into? Well, it wasn't necessarily her, it was her employers. They were reusing them. Oh, just like as coffee cup holders. Yeah, yeah. They just took them off the old ones and stuck them on new ones. After they were in the trash? They had they had a special coffee cup disposal trash can that customers would throw the coffee cups into. So it wasn't like in there with other garbage. It was just other coffee cups. Other people's half drunk and spilled coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So it was her job to sort through them, find the ones that were good to reuse and to reuse them. It, this seems like a thing you'd do if you were strapped for cash and couldn't buy new cardboard coffee sleeves. Correct. So why would you pay someone an hourly rate to dig through your... Tr- it seems seems like you'd be better served to just spend the money on coffee cup sleeves. That was just part of her job. Sure. She worked... So this was a mom and pop coffee shop that was strapped for cash, like you said. And so she worked there and part of the job description when she got hired was that she had to do this part of the job. It wasn't her only responsibility. No, of course not. How long did she stay in this position? I would hope not too long. Like you digging through trash. <laughs> this is going to make me never want to put coffee sleeves on my cups again. Yeah. Did people notice that they were using trash sleeves? I don't know how you would if it was unstained. That's awful. This is another one where I cannot win. I'm kind of backed into a corner here because if I say true and you just made this up, this is the, like, how can I live with myself knowing that you pulled this one over on me? So you're going to pull a safety spin? No. No. I've never been one for the safety spin. I think I'm going to say that this is true, weirdly enough. A true fact. Yeah. 
Um, do you have a name for the mom and pop coffee shop? No. I don't know if that makes you more concerned or less concerned. That's not going to make me change my mind. It kind of makes uh, me okay. more concerned, but I will stand my ground here. It should have made you more concerned because I've made this up. This is a spin. Oh, I thought you might have because who would do this? Like, I can't imagine it's never not happened, but hopefully not. But in all the things that have happened in coffee shops, I'm sure it has. Yeah, maybe. Why did you think this? What what was this born from? Uh, I don't need to justify where my <laughs> spins are born from. All right, well, I'm just curious. Well, it's just a fact about digging through the trash, and I'm, some of your facts have been like very personally experienced. So I'm just making sure you're okay, dude. I I was sitting here. Uh, are you, is Starbucks treating you well? What's going on? I I got a new responsibility at my side job, Starbucks. Uh, I need a vent. <laughs> I'm just trying to convince yourself it's a normal thing. I was sitting here uh, staring at a blank factor spin page, trying to figure out what spins to come up with, and that popped in my mind. I was like, coffee cups. What can I do with those? And that this is where I ended up. A weird fact. This is one of those ones that I just didn't think you could make up. Oh, that's good, because typically you're right. You, you use that logic and it works out for you, so I'm glad it finally failed. It fails from time to time. It's not... <laughs> It's not foolproof, which is why it sometimes gets stuck on me. I am the fool for whom it is not proof. <laughs> well, maybe you won't be the fool on this next one. She once lost a seat on a plane to a hat. <laughs> to a to a hat? <laughs> I love this game. <laughs> Was this uh, like a like a ball cap or a top hat or an exceptionally like fancy hat? A fedora maybe? Indiana Jones was on the plane. What are we talking about? It's a black trilby hat a trilby hat if you're unsure what that looks like check the discord oh okay so it's it's almost fedora ish i I wouldn't even be surprised if trilby is a like specific type of fedora because it's very fedora like sure so she lost her space on the plane to this hat implying that she had it before and then the hat came along and said you're in my seat ma'am and uh (laughs) she had to leave it was more like she bought the ticket and then the airline was like "Ooh, sorry yeah overbooked as airlines often do we can't you can't have this yeah we've overbooked and you lost out to a hat (laughs) they they told her she lost out to a hat yeah so somebody booked a seat on the plane for themselves and then booked a second seat for the hat and then oh yeah and then did not give up the hat seat when it was discovered the plane was oversold Mm -hmm. can i can I ask how that happens? Why would you... Because, okay, unless this person was already wearing a hat, there's no reason they couldn't have worn that hat on the plane. Here's an insane statistic for you. Yeah. And in fact, we're going to play a very quick round of Guess That Dollar Amount. Guess how much she was about to spend on her ticket and therefore would have been what the person spent on the hat's ticket. <laughs> Guess what it costs to fly this hat. So to do this properly, I need to know where they were flying from and to, or at least the approximate distance. They were flying to Italy. From London? From London, yep. From London to Italy. And also, the relevant piece of information would be that it was a first-class seat. Oh, brother. Um, I'm going to stick with the high-end EMF reader price of, what'd you say, $650. Try doubling that almost. It was a $1,200 ticket. Oh. Uh, (laughs) For a hat. Oh, wow. Who was the owner of the hat? Is it known? Is it someone notable? Not that I'm aware of. You can't just give out the hat's personal information, you know? No, you keep the the hat's anonymity. I get it. But 
airlines do this thing where they'll offer deals and like flight miles and all kinds of perks for people who choose to give up that seat. Now, if I were the owner of this hat, I'd give up, quote unquote, my seat and then just do something else with the hat. I mean, I don't disagree. And that's what that is what she did. She got actually a first class seat on another plane for the price of a normal class seat. I I hope the hat had a good flight. But I'm thinking this one's probably a spin. Thinking this one's a spin. I've seen people have to buy seats for big instruments, you know, cellos and whatnot, that they can't put in the cargo. But not a hat? I I just can't wrap my head around why on earth you do that with a hat. Maybe they had a friend, I guess, that was supposed to take that seat, didn't come with them, and they just put the hat on the chair because. In my head, this fact sounds like they bought the seat for the hat. I think this is a spin. Going with spin. Yeah, this is the spin. This is a fact. No flipping way. About someone else. (laughs) Oh, wow. I still can't believe it. That doesn't doesn't change how ridiculous this is. Yeah, and that someone else will also be revealed on a later episode. I can't believe this. (laughs) So remember a couple episodes back on Halsey where you reached into your trash pile and did facts from previous episodes that you considered but scrapped? Uh Uh-huh. This is the opposite of that, where you've reached into the future (laughs) and you've, you've picked facts that you're going to do. Yeah. And you're just hitting me with them now. Oh, this is... What an episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, hats off to you for that one. <laughs> I got one more for you. I'm ready for your classic fourth fact. Classic fourth. Another somewhat ramp up, in my opinion. Kind of on par with the absurdity of the entire round, in a way. <laughs> this is absurd. I can't believe what's happening today. She was part of a pizza parody band. A, a pizza <laughs> parody band? Correct. I have some questions that, that <laughs> naturally <laughs> you can probably just answer with yes or no. First of all, about the nature of a pizza parody band. Do they dress up like pizza? Sometimes. <laughs> okay. Thank you for following my very simple rule. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, you asked a question that didn't fit in the yes or no category (laughs) immediately. Okay, how often do they dress up as pizza then? You'll have to be more complex. That also is not yes or no. I know. I've I've abandoned. (laughs) If you're not going to follow the rule, I'll just ditch it. Uh, Yeah, they do different pizza themed stuff. Uh, Sometimes members of the band, one of them looks like he's wearing a pizza scarf in this image. One of them appears to be holding a pizza box as well in this image. Okay. Lots of pizza. Sure. Do they sing songs about pizza? Like oh, a, yeah, that's all they do. Yeah, you call it a cover band. Do they cover popular songs and parody them into pizzas? Uh, specific songs, yes. Oh, which specific songs? Can you say or will that give away no. whatever artist this fact is actually about in the future? <laughs> <laughs> they parody various Velvet Underground songs. Velvet Underground? Wow. Do you want to guess what their band name is? No. But I, I don't know. Is, is it going to be something like, I don't know, Pepperoni Underground? What are you trying to hit me with here? Pretty pretty darn close. It's the Pizza Underground. The Pizza Underground. Okay, okay. And all their songs are Velvet Underground songs about pizza. Such as All Tomorrow's Parties as All Pizza Parties. Mm. Or Femme Fatale as Pizza Gal. And what topping shall the pizza wear? And uh, walk on the wild side is take a bite of the wild sauce. Why not take a bite of the wild slice? Hold on. Um, oh, sorry, it does say slice. I, I'm are you kidding? Did I get? Th- <laughs> 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 I 
I swear, I don't know why I said sauce. It actually says take a bite of the wild slice. Wow, I don't know why I just, how I knew that. The Velvet Underground, what an interesting band to parody songs about pizza. What role does she play in the band? Is she a singer, uh, an instrumentalist? Both. Both, okay. Is this like a a long-term band? Is this like for a, some sort of sketch comedy act, or do they like still do shows? What's the deal? No. This just feels like something that, I don't know, you do on a Saturday Night Live or a late show sketch or something. No. The band broke up in 2018. Well, they broke up. Oh, no. Yeah. Mamma Mia. How big was this band? How many members are we talking? Talking one, two, three, four, five. Okay. And who are any of the other members? Are they musicians or notable people? Only one of them, for me at least, is notable. Yeah? Who's that? Macaulay Culkin. It's, <laughs> I get so deep into the actual fact, and then you hit me with, like, the secondary fact. <laughs> I have an easier time believing this fact because of that, actually. Weird. All right. Not what I expected. Well, I just... <laughs> not that it's about Gabrielle Applin, I guess, but just that this exists at all. Just that it's a true fact. Gotcha. Yeah. That feels like this is a real thing. How, how did he get connected to the band? How did this band... What was the idea behind it? He founded it. Unsurprised again. So this is the brainchild of Macaulay Culkin. This is what happens when you leave him home alone too long. He starts thinking. Specifically, he Macaulay Culkin said he wanted a band without people criticizing him, saying, hey, isn't that the kid from Home Alone? Or why are you only singing songs about pizza? This is weird. He wanted a... <laughs> I don't know how he avoided that second one, but... <laughs> it seems like it would incur the second one. Yeah. Uh, what, what instruments does she play in the band then? Uh, vocals and the pizza box. She plays the pizza box. Yep. A fitting job for one who spent a lot of time working with cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Macaulay Culkin's band has a bit of a rotating cast of members. Okay. Yeah. It's him and it's him and two buddies who are the main band, and then they get different celebrity to come and be other members in their music videos and performances. Right. So it is kind of like a revolving door thing. Right. And they typically give that person the job of singing and the pizza box as their instrument. <laughs> Wonderful. So how long did Applin perform with them? For a one-song deal or what? Applin was in... It's it's a music video that parodies the three songs I named earlier. All Pizza Parties, Pizza Gal, and Take a Bite of the Wild Slice. Like a mashup video, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, she was in that video, and then when they toured in London, she met up with them and performed in one of the live performances. Amazing. I... As unbelievable as this is, I think I'm going to have to say fact. Going with fact. Yeah, I was kind of not with it until you brought in Macaulay Culkin, until you mentioned that it was a revolving door, and she was mm -hmm. like a special guest that showed up. I uh, Full stop, I believe this band exists. And if this band exists, I guess it's not impossible that she could have been involved with them at some point. My only last piece of information I have, since you've kind of locked in already, but I wanted to give you, is that the video that she's in features the group performing on a bed of pizza boxes. Surrounded by pizza checkered walls with members of the group wearing slices of pizzas, man. What a gimmick. <laughs> Just really needed to throw that out there about the video real fast before we moved on. Well, I'm excited to see it when you reveal that this is a true fact. This is a spin. Oh, man. Well, drat. You pretty much nailed it, though, in your analysis section. Uh, the band absolutely exists, founded by Macaulay Culkin, all that's true. It's just there's no revolving door of celebrities. Oh, I should have got you. I should have asked who else has been in the band. Oh, I had a list of people. Don't worry. <laughs> well, can I ask who you would have lied about? I had Bono. I had Lady Gaga. 
I had a couple of celebrities that weren't singers in there. I had Nick Cage on the list. I just created like a list of random celebrities I could think of that wouldn't have anything in common. But the video I was mentioning does exist, yeah. and I've linked it to you for you to look at sometime in the future. It's weird. I It sounds weird. I can't believe it, but I can. Wow. So what do we do? Go 2-2? Two, two? Yeah. The classic split? All right. But I got you with two really good spins, I think. And you've set up <laughs> two really interesting teases for the future. Yes. And who knows how long I will sit on them. <laughs> it could be months. I'm pretty content with this round of factor spin. What a wild one. <laughs> well, with that, I'm off to find more crazy facts and make up more crazy spins. I'll see you next week. You do that. All right. We'll see you next week. Yeah. All right. Welcome back to the one and only Connor. That's me. That's you. All right. So let's talk about the album art on English Rain. No. Okay. And uh, let's talk about track one. <laughs> I feel like we've made that joke before. Probably. I, that seems right up your alley, I guess. Yeah, this, this one, I like it. The album art. Yeah, it is simple. Well, there's two different versions of it, and I like them both. I can't actually decide which one I like more. There's the normal version where she's kind of uselessly holding an umbrella and leaping through the rain. And then there's the deluxe edition where she's holding an umbrella facing the camera so you can see all the colors on it. That's the that's the one I'm currently looking at because that's the one that's on Spotify because I'm on the apparently deluxe edition of Spotify even though it's just called English Rain. It doesn't say deluxe edition. Yeah, and I've listened to the deluxe edition since I've known the album. I like the deluxe edition a lot and I'd encourage you to check it out if you like the normal version because there's some actual bonus tracks plus some special versions of some of the bigger songs from this record. Let me look up the one where she's apparently uselessly holding an umbrella yes uh she's i mean to be fair it's also being held uselessly in the deluxe editions cover but they're aesthetic they're aesthetic but either way she's getting rained on oh i like that yeah she's like got it held it's like the wind's taking off with it she's trying to pull mary poppins here is that what yeah i mean i guess maybe she's mary poppinsing that's a new adjective which one do you think is better i like the aesthetic of the deluxe edition better but i like the playful tone that the normal one sets when you look at it that's exactly what i was thinking yeah that's literally you hit the nail on the head it's definitely not a cover that makes you want to pull the panic cord which is coincidentally totally what a coincidence that i just said that that's the name of the first track that's crazy what are the odds you know i could have said anything and i chose to say that well, who knew? So Panic Chord, I think, is a great way to open up this album. And, I mean, for me, it was a great introduction to Gabrielle Applin as an artist. Mm -hmm. It's it's like that perfect blend of pop and singer-songwriter folk for me. This song is, and it's really cool. I like it. She said she wrote it four years before the album came out. She said it sounded meaner than it was actually meant to be because it was about a boy that liked her and she didn't share the feelings. So that's what this whole song is about. She says she didn't want to be mean, but she says, I guess in some situations you just kind of have to, which is why we get lines like, maybe you were just too nice to me. It's interesting because, you know, you put this down as being a pop album. And so, but then I, I so I went into it kind of expecting that. And then this first song didn't feel that poppy to me. I, I guess more accurately, Gabrielle Applin is a pop artist, especially on her later albums. But this has way more of like a singer-songwriter style to it. Is singer-songwriter its own genre? Yeah, it it's not officially. Like, there's a lot of different ways that it can be. But it's pretty much like it counts as its own subgenre. Okay. So are, are you sticking with pop for the genre classification of this album? Even though you kind of said it's not that poppy? Yeah, it's pop and folk and singer-songwriter kind of all blended together. Well, if you, like me, went to listen to this album and you saw it labeled as pop, you would 
don't expect it to actually be pop because it's not that. No, it's not. But like I said, her later albums definitely are a lot more poppy in in tone. Anyway, I like Panic Chord. I like the instrumentals going on in the background on this one. Yeah, definitely. The guitar is pretty cool. It, it really keeps the song driving right forward. I also, I love the way that she crafts the verses, just alternating between those two chords like she does. And then we get prepped for the pre-chorus with this tiny little minor chord that just barely hangs us into it. And then on We're Just a Box of Souvenirs, the first time, it just cuts out. Great way to amplify the chorus. And the second time, she says box of souvenirs there's just another little minor chord in there this is to keep you on your toes you know you never know what to expect what also throws me off on this song is the bridge where she sings the phonetic names of the notes of the scale do re mi fa sol la ti do but she doesn't change the pitch so it doesn't follow yeah so it's not actually following do re mi fa sol la ti do yeah and i that one that one is off for me but otherwise i like the song yeah it's really just going do 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 it's like it's like you're listening to the sound of music soundtrack and start skipping <laughs> right yeah <laughs> But, you know, maybe that's why they pulled the panic cord, because they got stuck on that note, and so they had to abandon. <laughs> just panicked and ran away. <sighs> they didn't run away. No, they, they just kept, kept on walking. walking. <laughs> Come on, you can't steal that from me. I was I set that up perfectly. Well, and I hit it out of the park. Yeah, that was mine. No, no, I took it. No, that was all mine. Well, maybe we share it. No, 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 you don't. <laughs> Fine, you can have it. You, you had the good panic cord one at the beginning. I want this one. You can have the next one. Fine. Keep on walking is a really bold start to a track with like a very aggressive minor chord. It kind of hits me every time. It surprises me. Uh, I mean, I didn't know what to expect. So so everything surprises you. Yeah. Just every note. Ah! <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It's it's horrifying. It's a terrifying experience to be in your shoes every week. Listening to me listen to an album is horrifying. I'm just constantly screaming. No wonder the mixtaper is evil. I don't care for the way she comes in singing on this one. It's it's different. She starts high and goes lower. It flips what you might expect on its head. I just expected a harder entrance than the whispery kind of higher, like you said, higher note that we got after the like thudding of the drums at the beginning. Yeah, I, I understand that. Gabrielle Applin says that Keep On Walking was the most spontaneous song on the album, and it was written the quickest. Uh, she said it just kind of happened. She says it's about a person whose attitude and way of life upset me and finally getting them out of my life and feeling much better. So keep on walking out. That improves the quality of your life. How did you feel about the background vocals on this one? On the on your way, go on your way. Yeah. Repeat after every like line. Yeah. Bit overused. I like the effect it has. I like the tr- kind of transition that they use, but putting it after every line, I felt like weakened that. Whereas if maybe you'd done it every other line or did it on the first line and then the last line only, I don't know. There was some combination of it that would have made it work, but this was too much. Yeah. Yeah. For emphasis and not just there all the time. They do give you a nice anchor though, contrasted with the floatiness of her voice. I also, oh, I have to point out some lyrics on this song. First of all, keep on walking out. What a concept. But it gets kind of real, you know? There's no one to kick me while I'm down, and I'm not here to apologize for you anymore. I was like, whoa. This is, you thought Panic Chord was a mean song about saying, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not interested in a relationship, or, you know, I don't feel that way about you. This one is like, you suck. I like the song. This would be one of my lower ranking tracks. Yeah, okay. We get a shout out in verse one. The lies you're spinning are changing me. The mixtaper thinks that's about him. <laughs> that's the mixtaper. That's the mixtaper's favorite song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if the mixtaper got to pick a song for the playlist, it'd be this one. <laughs> it's a good thing he doesn't have voting rights. Lucky for us, he doesn't get a say. <laughs> and speaking of not getting a say, 
The next song is called Please Don't Say You Love Me. Far and Away, one of the biggest songs on this record, and it's one of the tracks that kick-started her whole career, actually. Really? Yeah, Please Don't Say You Love Me, huge hit. I mean, look at it. It's got 100 million Spotify plays. You know me, I like to look at the Spotify numbers. Exactly. That's how I knew I could convince you with that simple little statistic. Consider me convinced. Perfect. I like the kick drum on this song, and it pairs really well with the acoustic guitar, but holy crap, those chords change so fast. It, it's impressive that it feels as smooth as it does, but I still think it kind of is a little bit choppy. Now, when you say the chords are changing fast, you talking about the guitar? Yes. In the background? To me, off of one listen, the guitar on this reminded me a lot of the guitar on Panic Chord, but more like in your face about it. Like I felt like on Panic Chord, it was also doing a lot of changing. Maybe the chords weren't changing, but they were plucking pretty fast on different notes. Well, so what happens on Panic Chord is you are on a one chord and then a suspended fourth chord, which almost sounds the same. And then you go back to the one chord that goes on for a minute. And then what happens on this one is you get it's four beats for a measure, right? One, two, three, four. And then every second beat is when we change chords. So in the span of what you would have three measures to do in Panic Chord, you're kind of knocking out in two to four beats on Please Don't Say You Love Me. So it feels quicker. This song also felt a bit cliche. Again, this has got that folksier, almost Casey Musgrave style, Golden Hour style love song. Like anti-love song, I guess. Well, it's not an anti. It's very much a love song, but like a like song. Ah, Just a really like song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a a strong like, not a love. (laughs) Please don't say it's a love song. I like like you. Yeah, yeah, we're at that stage where you still get butterflies, but Gabrielle Applin says it's about preserving the early part of a relationship for as long as you can. It's interesting because we talked about on Golden Hour how it was a kind of a tonal shift from what most of Casey Musgraves' albums were because she was in this special place when she wrote it. Yeah, because she had just gotten married at the time. Right. And you said this album is pretty different from what Applin goes on to do in some of her later albums, right? You said they get more poppy. Oh, it's just it's interesting the parallels that I was picking up on with cuz like I want to call this country, but it's like you said pop folk. It's folksy pop. I guess. Another line I love is on that bridge. Fools rush in and I've been a fool before. This time I'm going to slow down cuz I think this could be more. Every line is so simple and so perfect. Like that is, that's the song. Yeah, you can never make up your mind. When I give you something with simple lyrics, you're like, ah, it's too simple. It needs to be more creative. And then here you come in with, oh, look how simple it is. I love it. It depends. It depends on a lot of things. Depends on whether or not I brought it or you brought it. No, it depends on how I feel today. I think there's some, I think there's some, yeah, uh uh-huh. Okay, yeah, that's there. There it is. The next song is How Do You Feel Today? Yeah, I thought this one was supposed to be mine. I thought we were going every other, but all right, fine. Just steal from me. Just steal from me. Well, you can have the next two. I'm going home. We're just jumping right to the next song. Shoot. All right. (laughs) Track track number five. No, we can't skip a song. All right. All right. She says that she wrote How Do You Feel Today as a poem first and then decided to put it to music. She says it's about offering yourself and help and just wanting to be appreciated for it in return. It's about the frustration of not being valued for what you've done and the person realizing just before it's too late. This one, I think the the arpeggio guitar is much stronger, much uh, cleaner, I guess. It doesn't feel as jumpy. The thing about it is the chord doesn't change as much. On this song, there's a bass note down there. I think it's a G note that really just keeps us locked in on it. So even though, yeah, the finger picking happens quick, you're still rooted in that same chord, that same scale. You kind of fly all around it. I think it's it's constructed simply, which I really can appreciate. You know, there's a lot of transitional chords and transitional notes. She's able to like lead us exactly where the song is about to go next. It pulls your ear along with it. 
It makes sense. Listening to this song sonically just makes sense. It does what you want it to do. The end of the chorus sounded very familiar to something. I don't know what. My one complaint about this song that I noticed is the drums maybe get to be a little too much on the bridge. They kind of mix up the tempo. Like the whole time I'm in on the tempo of this finger-picked guitar, and then when the drums come in on the bridge, they shift my focus to them instead. And it kind of screws up that natural cadence that the arpeggio brings. It's a country song. I just don't know what one. I'm picturing it in my mind. It's a country song. You're, you're picturing the song in your mind. How's it look? Country. There's a little cowboy hat on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you figure it out, let us know. Are we ready to move on to home? I already made my funny home joke. Oh, you're, oh, I was waiting for you to make another. I was about to say, if you want to take the jokes, you have to be ready to do them. Well, I, I was. I did it earlier, and you shot it down. That we weren't allowed to move on, so. Okay, we can't just skip my song. Anyway, well, okay, so, yes, home. <laughs> okay, this is admittedly another botched transition. Home. <laughs> home is track five. And this is actually a song that has an alternate version on the deluxe edition. So if you like this, go check out Home, the Rack Sessions on the deluxe edition of the album. She sings it while eating ribs. No, it's not a Rack of Ribs session. No, that's not it. Uh, she says that the chorus for the song she had in mind about a year before she finished the rest of it. Home is where you set your heart in stone. One of the strongest choruses on this album, I think. Yes? No? Maybe? Sorry, was there a question I was supposed to answer right there? I was thinking about future transitions. I just... <laughs> I just said this is one of the strongest choruses on the album, I think. Ah, uh, I, I like it. Yes, it's very pretty sounding. I like this song. I'm going to reach back into the record books and make another comparison to one we've done. Yeah, which one's that? Uh, Machine Gun Kelly, of all places. Well, that, wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I argued that Machine Gun Kelly didn't, like, his sound sounded better when he was being accompanied by other people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I tend to agree specifically with her higher range that she likes to use on this album. Her higher range needs something under it to help support it. Otherwise, it's floating there with nothing, no bass, in my opinion. And so when he, when she takes that loftier side of the chorus and he's singing under her, it's it, the harmonies are very pretty and it works very well. They are very nice. And it made me want it in other places. <laughs> It worked almost too well. <laughs> oh no. It made you realize what the, what might have been everywhere else. I like her storytelling uh, method in this, right? How we start in this first verse with everything that's in the wrong place. A phoenix that's in the water and like literal fish flying. Can we salvage this recording? Like this has gone off the rails. The salvation's next. Yeah, I, I, was, I was hoping to see you make that a little better. Uh, well, this one was supposed to be yours. I did home. I just had to step in because you didn't. I thought you, I gave you two in a row. No, I'm not greedy. I don't need two in a row like you. I'm happy going one, every other. Well, I didn't realize it was supposed to be mine. I'm sorry. Salvation is track six. And it is pretty much about just what the title says. Someone who comes in in the, the last second to be your savior, who pulls you out of the, I don't know, the, the trauma, the, the trouble that you're in and, and takes you. I like the piano in this one. Maybe the best moment of piano on the whole album. One of the only moments of mostly piano on the album. And I think what it is, too, because on, like, the pre-chorus, you know, she, again, goes into that loftier headspace with her singing. Um, you know, uh, she has that slight airiness to her pitch again and everything. But that piano provides the bass like the, the guy does on Holm. It stays down low, and it's loud, and, like, it's, you know, uh, it fills the void, right, so that it provides a solid layer for her to go up there. Yeah. It's another example where her having something under her supporting her rather than just kind of singing with some 
trilling guitars in the background, it works better when when she's got that support. I think uh, a lot of these lyrics are more obscure. They're not as direct as some of these other songs, right? We go through this whole metaphor of you're the avalanche, and we have tricks of the light and psychedelic silhouettes being so buried that all you can see is white being covered by the avalanche, and that is what saves you. It's kind of a lot to untangle, but she does it with uh, a pretty terse verse. It's a return of the terse verse here, which I kind of I kind of like in this song. You know, it makes it feel simple, very heartfelt. I guess just I'll point out one lyrical highlight in the song, and then we can move on. Uh, I really like the cadence on a psychedelic silhouette. Those are two big words strung together. Especially when syllables are so scarce. Not only is that a good rhythmic sound and complex, like you said, when when your syllables are scarce, it's hard to fit in big words like that. But she does it, and it's just a nice image. It is, I suppose. I don't know. It 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 it, it, it fits well in my brain when I'm here singing it. Does it have a cowboy hat? <laughs> uh, it's a cowboy hat covered in mushrooms because it's psychedelic. Sounds like a fun guy. Uh, all right, man. I hate that, that that you were to come up with that so quickly, audience. I know sometimes you know we edit out dead space. There was no dead space there to edit out. There was no dead space. <laughs> it was instant. <laughs> Is this next one yours or mine? It was meant to be mine, but because I accidentally did two in a row because you didn't realize it was yours. How about you take this one and I'll take the next one? Okay, sorry. I waited for a bit for you to say something, but I decided I was just ready to question. <sighs> Track number seven is ready to question. What are we questioning? Well, I was I was questioning whatever you're ready for. I'll tell you what, I was questioning if this song started when I first started listening to it. It was very quiet. There was that dead space at the beginning, and I missed the first like drum hit or whatever. Like, and, and I didn't hear it. And so there was just a good chunk of silence. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> it is pretty quiet for a good couple seconds. For about six seconds at the beginning, nothing happens. So I'll give you that. Well, there's a couple of drum beats that are real quiet. If you don't have the volume turned up, you won't hear them. You know, you didn't have the volume cranked by this point. Salvation didn't didn't have you <laughs> turning it to 11. Uh, no, it did. But, you know, you got to turn it back down for the next song and let it turn you back up to that. You got to give it its own chance to turn you up to 11. Yeah. Every song starts at the same level, a solid seven. And builds from there. And builds from there or, you know, lowers from there if, 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 if necessary, if it warrants it. Yeah. If needed. When you want to bring the house down, it can be lowered. So she wrote this song with two of her friends and, uh, they actually worked on a lot of the album with her. But this is a song they were just hanging out, talking about religion and the nature of life and what's going on and, you know, just some really, like, deep philosophical stuff that's way more complex than I just made it sound by describing it like that. <laughs> but uh, that's what this song is all about, you know, kind of just coming to terms with growing up and figuring out what life and the world is all about. So we get uh, this this interesting kind of confusion on the first verse, this this inquisition. Am I missing something? Is there something you're not telling me? I don't know what to believe. And then by the time we get to the chorus, it kind of melts into this acceptance of, yeah, you know, I'm ready to question what's going on. Like, what's the deal? Let me dig into what's happening around me and figure out what I believe in. And then, you know, verse two only reaffirms that. We, we increase a little more with seeing the lines between devils and saints fade, seeing pictures with no meaning, like, everything you think you understood about the world starts to get turned on its head. And that's just like a a very tangible example of it to say, yeah, I've experienced all this 
and that's what's altering my worldview. Also, this song is wicked catchy. It's all right. You didn't. This one didn't stick with you much, huh? A specific part of it stuck with me. Yeah, which part's that? And I, I, I know I'm starting to sound like that broken record. I sometimes sound like, but the owos. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a good owo. Oh, How did I know? How did I know? Whoa, that's where you were gonna go. <laughs> well, you go oh. I... <laughs> uh The owos were lovely. I love the chorusy, like kind of uh, church choir sound to yeah. the owos, which ironic it was very thematic fitting. yeah thematic that it sounds like a church choir in this area the space of questioning all your beliefs and i really liked when you get down to like the uh somewhere near the bridge maybe the last chorus outro area where they start using it more than just the occasional oo they start oooing the entire time oh like she's singing over top of the oos rather than them just kind of enunciating the ends of her phrases i like them that's the path they really just show the power of love. This one was my, I heard you try to cut in. I heard you try to steal it. We just a song ago determined the order, and you already tried to ruin it. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot the order. <laughs> so, the track eight is the power of love, and what a powerful track! What a what a powerful song. Do you love it? I'm not gonna say. Okay. Well, this is this is a cover song, if you're curious. This is not a, an Applin original. The original is from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. That's where the, the OG comes from. Hmm. Yeah, it, it made it to number 36. Well, it started it. It debuted at number 36 on the UK singles chart, and then it got all the way up to number 5. And then got all the way up to number 1. Whoa! Yeah. Yeah, 36, and then a week later, it was number 5, and then by the next month, hit the top. All right, I can't keep it inside. I like this song. You like this one. Good, 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 good. I, I don't love it. Don't say it. Don't, 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 please you, don't. don't say you I love it. I won't say you love it. <laughs> I like, like it. Uh, <laughs> no, um, this is a song where her airy, higher-pitched vocals sell the song um it's what the song needs right it's what how this song it's what this song is written for um it has those swelling like i said all-encompassing just chords that fill the entire space and then over top of the space you know the roof explodes out revealing revealing the cloud skies and the angels soaring overhead just eyeing these lyrics at you you really got into this one (laughs) i like like it a lot he says (laughs) i i started on that and i couldn't figure out how to how to i couldn't figure out where it was going so i just kept climbing (laughs) don't say i love it but as the skies burst open and the angels descended owing straight to my heart with the floaty of the vocals it was a divine experience yeah yeah whoops (laughs) this song yeah it's built for vocals it's ambience and it's vocals that cut straight through and i like that about it it's a bit it kind of caught me off guard when the song started talking about vampires that that always throws me off (laughs) um but the rest of it the rest of it i'm with it i don't mind it flame on burn desire love tongues of fire purge the soul no not like human torch flame on oh (laughs) no that's that's not it that's not what they were going for 
<laughs> you are all over the board on this song. <laughs> this is maybe the most poetic of the songs on the album, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Love is danger. Love is pleasure. Love is pure. The only treasure. There's just a lot. There's a lot of lyrics in here. Highly recommend. The power of love. It's very powerful. Let's say it's your turn. (laughs) You notice how I didn't just jump in and steal it? I gave you a moment. Yeah, I did. The power of love. You know, it's enough power to make you feel alive. Track number nine is, is alive. Yeah, I had to come up with something on the spot. She actually likens this song to Salvation where she's kind of in a new phase of life. Uh, she said when she was writing Alive, her dad was really sick. And um, and so she was just looking for a way to distract herself, you know, a, a way to kind of escape that situation and just focus on some of the happier parts of life. And she says she thinks it was actually super helpful that she did that because that helped improve her attitude, which in turn helped her dad feel better. And it pulled him through his illness, she says. So that's kind of the backstory of Alive. This song is very orchestral. You know, I I think it's different in that regard. But not like in the same way Power Love was or not even really how Salvation was or Ready to Question even with like the with like the choir. You know, this is like different. I like it, too. You like it, too. OK, I'm getting I was I wasn't sure you kind of came into this album not expecting it to be what it was. And you kind of you kind of said, I'm curious to see what you thought about this album to me. And so. That made me curious about what you thought about this album because I, I we haven't done one quite like this before, you know, and and I don't know where it falls on your radar. So I'm this is kind of calibrating me for future things that I'll throw at you. We'll get more into that in final spin, but this song has I think the best hit of her high range, like the best use of her high range vocals. It's not too late. Yeah, what a good vocal run. It's a great vocal. Alive is another one that's got a special. Um, rack session on the deluxe edition of the album really what is a rack session by the way if not eating ribs and singing usually when you see something like the blank session it just describes where it was recorded is it a bunch of deer singing that's another option because they have racks of antlers antlers like a rack of antlers yeah yeah rack maybe it's r-a-k still rack isn't it this is another one of the strongest choruses some of the songs i think that have the most overlookable verses end up coming back with the stronger choruses. And that's impressive. It's a good balance. I don't even mind the verses on these. I mean, they're shorter. They're not a terse verse. Not really. They're just short. They're not really that terse. They, they are uh, stressed out very long. <laughs> over a, a long span of time. They're, they're shorter in terms of words. Uh, <laughs> but I think they say a lot with what they do give you. And I, I love the idea of a song called Alive boiling down to just rely on me. That's it. I'll, I'll you know, take all your worries out of the way and uh that's how you feel alive you know well you know what's alive humans <laughs> wow wow a plus bravo <laughs> i wasn't ready for that one i forgot i forgot the order that time i thought it was yours <laughs> nope no, it's not mine it was not mine yeah this song i i'm not sure i love the way that it starts just with that little show me that you're human you won't break like we get that little tease of the chorus I don't know. I guess it's the only time something like that happens on the album where we just start with a little sneak peek, but I don't love it. I could do without. I kind of, I kind of just want to wait till we get there naturally. It kind of feels forced on you right off the bat. I agree. I, I didn't, I didn't care for it at the beginning. She says that human is a really universal song, and she says for her it's uh, about body image and self-esteem and not thinking I was good enough. 
But then she says she got over it and realized she's completely fine as she is. But the song is kind of uh, just a, a testimony about that so that the people around her kind of have the song as a vehicle to express themselves or to understand that they're not alone in whatever they're feeling. I don't have a lot to say about this one. Uh, this one was, it just existed. It just existed? I like this one a lot. Mm. I I think it, it tells... I think it sends a good message you know this whole you're human it starts off the chorus is so clever you start with you're human you won't break as in yeah humans don't break we, we we set that baseline right off the bat but then we also go deeper and say okay you have flaws and you have mistakes but you're supposed to love your flaws and live for your mistakes because all humans are flawed all humans make mistakes and despite all that you won't break so show me that you're human show me that you meet all these qualifiers because you do that it you have anything else no no okay I guess that's me. That's just about all I have to say about the song Human. Uh, and you mentioned in your transition that humans are alive. Um, do you know? Oh, no, you're going to compound off of that. <laughs> do you know when a lot of humans are alive? Uh, July. Yeah, in July. But then also uh, several months later in November. Oh, First of all, by the way, I love that November is track 11 on the album, given that November is the 11th month of the year. Oh, okay. I see what you did there, Applin. I'll give you, you know, a little couple bonus Connor point. You okay? You trying to come up with a new a new thing you can give? <laughs> <laughs> a couple uh well, we got spit bucks already. Connor Connor coins. Connor coins. You get Take yourself a couple Connor coins over to the to the arcade, you know, play a couple games of Pac-Man. What are you talking about? Enjoy enjoy a well-earned Connor coin for making November track a lot. I don't know what I'm doing. Just This song was a disappointment, all right? Whoa, this song was a disappointment? Really? Go on. Say more. Because it started off so great. I was vibing. I was... Join it. I was cranking that knob up towards 11. We make it all the way through that first chorus. I'm hitting the 10. It's about to go to 11. And then she just repeats herself. What do you mean? Just repeats herself. You just you just don't like the repeat? But it's so good. You were vibes to 11. The, we get through. You get the entire song after the first chorus. But it's it was such a good song. It was so powerful. It was Billy. It was like. It was the perfect opportunity to hit me with a strong verse too. And then you just wasted it. And you just gave me the same verse again and then two more choruses. That was it. I wanted more. You had such potential to make this song like would have been my number one pick. I'll tell you what. It is my number one pick from the album. Uh, If you exclude the deluxe edition, which we're doing for this episode. This is going to be your podcast. This is going to be your podcast pick then? This is going to be on the playlist for me. Yes. Uh, that's what I meant, yeah. And so for it to be the one that you outright hated and let in with that, I was, wow. No, I didn't say that, but you did say, I hate it. Don't worry. I'm just, it was just the biggest disappointment. I never said I hated it. Did I say I hated it? I might have said I hated it. I said it was a big disappointment. Well, please don't please don't say you love it, okay? It's misleading. I, don't, I definitely don't say I love this one. Definitely don't say this one. This one doesn't even get a like-like. Well, did you, like, you, you're just like the song. You always used to love November. I loved November up until chorus, until verse two. And then I, and then I hated November. There, I said it. I said the hate word. I'm getting a lot of mixed messages from you. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It was, 
it was still catchy. I just I I wanted more. It had a lot. <laughs> it had a lot of potential. It's like when a parent gets disappointed in their kid because they're not living up to their potential. That was me with this song. I'm disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. She says that she wrote this song as kind of like an exercise in creating short stories where she had this idea of being left out in the English rain. Also, that's the title track line right there. November is the source of that. Yes. Yep. Snuck that in there. She kind of came up with this idea of loving something, but then something bad happens in that situation. And so every time it happens again, the, the memory of it is just tainted, which is why we get November being flooded with rain. It kind of tells the side story about something bad happening to you in the midst of, of, of a thing that you love and used to enjoy. And every time you come back to it, it's never the same. You know what's interesting is this song actually uh, is the reason that I first put this album on my albums of the month list in November. Really? Yes. Yeah. It just seemed right. It seemed fitting. Fair enough. It's the same reason that NSYNC is on there right now with It's Gonna Be May. <laughs> is it my turn? Well, yeah, it is. It's your turn. I did that awful lead into November. Well, we've been making awful transitions since the start of time. We have. Boom. We really have. Did it. That one was organic and that one was decent. Come on. Mm, that one was there. You gotta at least like it. You don't have to like like it. And definitely don't say you love it. <laughs> you gotta like it. The start of time is... Uh, I've never actually... As someone who's only listened to the deluxe edition of this album, I've never considered the start of time to be the end of this album. And so it's always kind of gotten lost in the shuffle of what comes after it for me. I think it's an excellent ending track. Now that I've listened to and stopped the album here very intentionally, I think it does a great job of concluding this, this collection. She says she was inspired to write this by The Hollow Men, a poem by T.S. Eliot. And uh, the line specifically that inspired her reads our dried voices when we whisper together are quiet and meaningless and she said to her that was about not following the crowd because saying something different standing out from the crowd is is really what sets you apart she actually got a tattoo with that oh really yeah and so she says start of time is about having an idea so different and finding someone who shares the same thoughts and beliefs and it feels refreshing you know we've gone through the english rain of november and we end this song with like the sun coming out it feels renewed everything we've been through on this album kind of gets this fresh clean start at the start of time at the end of the album it's just an interesting there are a lot of there are a lot of interesting lyrics in here too you know uh we, we return to some of the previous metaphors that we've seen like being a drop of water uh you know tomorrow i'll be in the ocean just like that phoenix in the water the flying fish and then i also really like the the kind of comforting nihilism i guess of an atom in a sea of nothing looking for another to combine and be to, like maybe we could be at the start of something together at the start of time like you find that person and then it's just like boom you know you were in a sea of nothing and now all of a sudden the sun comes up you're with your person and then that's it that's everything that's the start of all of it i really like where they hit uh what genius lyrics is calling the breakdown section yeah i like the guitar that comes in yes it's a good guitar hit maybe the best guitar hit on the on the album as as far as a singular boom guitar moment goes yeah i'd agree with that but i think the guitar throughout this album is pretty phenomenal it's all right i, I like start of time it's an excellent end to the album and uh i guess we should get to the end of the album and to the start of final spin let's do it I've already made my playlist pick known. It's November from me. I had other considerations. My number two playlist pick would have been Evaporate from the Deluxe Edition. 
Well, that doesn't count. If we were indulging in that. If what I would have been your other pick from non-deluxe edition? If I couldn't pick Evaporate, I, th- I thought this through because I knew you were going to say that wouldn't count. I also would strongly consider How Do You Feel Today and then Panic Chord. Oh, man. We did not agree, like, at all. No, we weren't going to overlap either way. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Interesting. Well, so let's talk scores. I think this album does a lot of things right. I think the melodies are soft, but they're poignant. They stick in your brain really well most of the time. And I think she really does use the full range of her voice, especially the higher register, to great effect. I think a lot of these songs know when to come on strong, like Panic Court or Keep On Walking. And then they also know when to take it easy, like The Power of Love or Salvation. That You know, you get your quiet, reflective moments and you get your outward get away from me moments. It's kind of a a good blend. Mm -hmm. I think I'm giving music a 92, pretty high, but this is an album to to pull a trick out of your playbook. This is a high re-listenability album for me. It was one that was really easy to come back to when it was on the Albums of the Month playlist, and even since then, it's one that I'll seldom have a hard time putting on. Lyrics, wow, you know, that's what I have to say about the lyrics. There's so many spots in here where she waxes poetic, and it's I as as you apparently said, it's like the the sky opens up when you get to the ceiling and down. I don't even remember. Only the one time. Only the one time. And that only happened one time. Well, I like a lot of these lyrics. I think everything feels effortless. You know, uh, the, a lot of these verses are short, but the the space is so well used, and the images are so poignant. Lyrics have given a ninety. Instruments of production, this score may be just a smidge, just a touch high, but I think it all balances out at the end of the day because we've got the really, really good guitars throughout. Like I said, the arpeggio is super awesome. A lot of the orchestral parts are subtle, but they do a lot to elevate the song. Everything's pretty clean. You know, there's not a lot of moments that feel muddled or anything. Sometimes the drums are too strong, and I'm still stuck even here at the end of this long album on those background vocals on Keep On Walking that were just a little too much. I'm still thinking about that. I'm giving Instruments of Production an 88, but I could see that dropping a point or two, maybe, within reason. And again, also, these scores are for the deluxe edition that I listened to. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really... Mm, okay. There's some extra. That There's some maybe extra. Maybe will change things. Yeah. I was thinking if some of these scores were a little high, but I haven't heard the deluxe edition, so I gotta find out about those rack sessions. You gotta see what it's all about. And then, uh, the vibe. Overall vibe score. It's just a comforting album, you know? I, I feel like this album, first of all, stylistically super consistent. Lyrically, super consistent. It just feels feels like everything fits and, and all the wheels are firing on all cylinders here. I'm thinking vibe on this album is a 95. It's, it's funny because sometimes on softer albums like this, I'll find myself checking out or getting bored or whatever. But I find English Rain mm-hmm. really engages me the whole way through. I don't get lost in the quieter moments. They kind of only enhance the experience for me, which is bizarre and kind of not what I'm used to. I predicted this. Okay, well then you could predict what my final score was. I think this album made it top 50s for you. You're right, it did. This album got a 92.6, which uh, currently puts it at a 34. Wow. This is one I like. It's one that I don't have too much negative to say about, and I found myself coming back to a lot more than I initially expected. Interesting. Now to crush you. Uh, Oh, no, please. How do you feel today? (laughs) 
How do I feel today? Let's start with my top three. Oh, hold on. I've done a little research. So we've established this precedent where you can go back and you could pull top three picks from future episodes to give yourself more top threes here. That's why I don't get a comparable mention this week. That's right. Well, so you pulled a lot of picks for Barry Manilow in episode 40. Yep. What I came to realize recently is when we established this rule, it was the Phil Collins episode. You were mad that you could only have three from Phil Collins. And you said, I'll steal one from our Grammy episode. And you know what I realized is that's a thing we never enforced. Did I? You did not. You picked four from Phil Collins plus a honorable mention, and then you picked four from John Batiste. Are, are you sure? Don't make me. I've got evidence. Play the tape. Roll Play the, the tapes. Tape. Uh, roll it. Whatever you borrow, you have to take from the next episode immediately. All right, I'm just going to borrow one then. My, my four top threes plus my honorable mention. Susudio. Long, long way to go. Mm. We got I Don't Want to Know. We got One More Night. And we have Inside Out. Uh, so we got We Are. Then I'm going to say Cry is also up there uh-huh. in the top three. I Need You is in the top three. Oh, wow. And then I'm still spl- I'm split on my honorable mention for it- it's between Tell the Truth and Movement 11. Wow. So you really love the first four tracks. <laughs> uh, and then, well, no, I, 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 I guess, yeah, I did. <laughs> well, no, yeah, yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate. So I think for this album, you should probably only get two picks. Wait, my top three is gonna be only two songs. We've gone the opposite. Your top three is two songs. Your top three varies between two and eight songs so far. <laughs> So my top three are The Power of Love and Alive, tracks eight and nine. Okay. So those are your two top threes. For the playlist pick, I think I have to go with Power of Love. You know, the the roof exploded and the angels descended. I think I have to go with Power of Love. It's a thing the audience has to experience. Yes. You've been suspiciously quiet on some elements of this album. So I'm expecting a hot take from your score. Listen, like I said, you won't catch me saying that I love it. What do you think my score is going to be? Let's let's set expectations here. Goodness, I... What did you hope it would be going into it, first off? I think from you, given your rankings so far on a, a handful of other albums, I would have hoped this ended up optimistically in the sevens. Realistically, I kind of expect you to give it a six. Okay, so going into it, you were hoping a seven, but now you're thinking a six. No, not thinking a six. It sounds like you're about to drop something even lower than a six. However, well, I would like to think this would end up maybe above Apoptosis for you maybe above stevie ray vaughn high sixes i see well give some final overall thoughts and opinions and then we'll see how right you are yeah we'll see this album definitely got better as it went on okay i was not a big fan of the beginning almost half of the album the songs that had the swollen all-encompassing instrumentals like the power of love and alive were definitely the standout highlights for me most of the album was just average for me. Mm-hmm. I got what I described as strong elevator music vibes. You know, wow. something that is easily tuned out. Like you said, that you find yourself tuning out on albums like this. That's the vi- same vibe I got. I agreed with it, except it happened to me on this one where it didn't for you. Okay. It's nice sounding and it has its place, but it's not like main stage. It's not that main stage kind of sound. 
other than those few exceptions, like the power of love that crank it to an 11. But they only crank it to an 11 if you crank it to an 11. Like if you don't turn the radio up and really let her belt it through your speaker system, then some of those big moments still don't have the impact that they're going for. Mm. It was a like-like album. As for a score, I'm very torn. I really boxed myself into a corner here because... I do think I like this better than Coloring Book. Yeah, that's a six. And and Pet Sounds. Also six. But the idea of giving it a six doesn't sit right with me. I want to give it a five, but I think it's better than Pet Sounds, Head in the Heart, and Coloring Book, which are all sixes. It's just the idea of it having a six next to it doesn't sit right with me. (sighs) I'm going to do it. I'm going to give this one five like-likes out of ten. Oh, wow. Five (laughs) like-likes. Yep, five like-likes. That's a pretty dislike-dislike, if I'm honest. It was a pretty average album. You know, the average score out of a ten-point system of a five. I presume since you were considering sixes, it's the top of your fives? It is the bottom of my five. No, I'm kidding. It's the top of of my five. Take notes, Kanye. I'm not crushed, uh, as, you, as you kind of assumed, but I am a little surprised and slightly disappointed. I actually thought you were hoping it would sit at an eight. Eight? Is where I would have expected you to hope it went. Oh, no. I'd have to be out of my mind for... Well, this is your this is in your top 40. It's 34 or whatever on your list. I would have thought you would have hoped it did well on mine. I know better than to think it would be there. That's the difference. We're coming up on a year very fast. We are. And we also are coming up on a singles episode even faster. So, yes, get us in those submissions. If you have a song that you've been dying to hear us talk about or that you just like a lot, swing it our way. It may make it onto our singles episode playlist. You can submit those submissions anywhere we're on social media, which includes YouTube comments and on Twitter at SpinItPod, Instagram at SpinItPod Official. It includes our website, www.spinitpod.com. You'll find a form under the Get Connected tab to submit songs. Keep an eye out for that. Keep an ear out for that. Keep an ear out for that. Audio only podcast that's true but keep an eye out for stuff on socials keep an eye out for the ears out you're not making sense (laughs) when have i ever i don't know apparently you made too much sense when you talked about pulling coffee cup sleeves out of the trash (laughs) that's one of the hardest ones for me to live down at this moment i cannot believe i bought that i love it please don't say you love it anyway (laughs) you're right i like like it (laughs) yeah and we hope you like liked this episode of spin it like like us and we will see you next week until then you know what to do keep spinning keep spinning do you have a good transition for the end of the episode goodbye that's good enough for me